Welcome to the Made for Agriculture podcast with Adam, Cameron, and Emily. Today's host is Emily Beck. I'm Emily Beck, and today I'm going to be interviewing some people in the Farm Service Agency, which is FSA. My first stop is going to be in Kingston, Missouri at the Caldwell County FSA office, where I'm going to be speaking to someone who's been rocking and rolling in their position since 1984, Debbie Clevenger. She is the county executive director in that office, and she's going to walk us through the process of getting landowners signed up with FSA and also the different aspects of FSA. We will then direct our truck to Trenton, Missouri, to the Grundy County office, where I'm going to be speaking with Caitlin McPhee. Caitlin McPhee is the farm loan officer in that office, and she's going to talk us through the different loan opportunities that landowners can sign up for, whether they're looking for land or have land and wanting to broaden it with livestock or even maybe an operating cost that they have on the land. Um, we'll then dabble into some different loans for FFA and 4-H. So stay tuned and turn up that dial because here we go. Hi, how are you, Emily? Great, great. Um, I am very excited to have you on here today because I know a lot of landowners are just getting started in the farming process or maybe they've had land um, for quite some time now, but especially with this drought, they're wanting to get different uh, programs um, for disaster and things like that. So let's just dive in just a little bit of how someone would even get started with FSA. Okay. Um, not every county has an office anymore uh, with the USDA uh, agencies, but many do. And so you just need to find the, the county and the town where your farm service agency and your NRCS office is located. And then um, I would give them a call and let them know that you'd like to come in and, and uh, you're a new owner. Uh, bring in a copy of your deed. Be sure to bring your social security number. If uh, your land is titled to a trust or an LLC or a corporation, you'd probably need to bring your uh, papers, your trust papers, your corporate papers, um, uh, your employer ID number if you're an entity and uh, bring those into the office and uh, show us where your farm is on a plat map and we can easily find it and get everything switched over to your name. Everything's recorded as social security number in our um, computer system. So um, that's how we will connect you and we'll end up giving you a farm number and a track number. And the, the only hitch with all that would be if you purchased a part of a farm, then we'll have to reconstitute that farm uh, meaning split off the portion that you bought from the rest of the farm. So it might not be as easy because we would need the other person's signature, you know, to show how to divide base acres if there's a basis on the farm and things like that. That's just an, an extra step that would take a little bit more time. But if you if you bought a, a track that was already separated out, it would be fairly easy to go ahead and uh, get that in your name. Perfect. Perfect. So like I was saying, I attend quite a few conferences and there are quite a few new landowners. Um, and so what are some of the things that landowners can do with FSA? What kind of programs um, or different incentives? Okay. Um, well, farm, the Farm Service Agency is the branch of the USDA that deals with um, 
Uh, we have safety net programs, we have price support programs, conservation programs, and then also farm loan programs. Um, our sister agencies are um, NRCS and Risk Management Agency. Um, uh, that beginning farmers would want to um, be uh, thinking about always making a crop report. And by crop report, I don't mean planting crops. If you plant crops, for sure, but even hay and pasture are considered crop reports. And if we would have a livestock forage program, because we had a, a drought like we had last year in Caldwell County, you aren't eligible for that program without having your uh, uh, pasture acres reported. And if you don't report them timely, then you would have to late file them. So we always encourage everyone to make an annual acreage report, which, like I say, includes hay and pasture as well. That way they're prepared in case there is a program. And uh, if somebody doesn't want to come in every year, they can sign a continuous certification if it's hay and pasture, and that will roll over. And uh, whatever they said it was the previous year is what it's going to roll over with continuously until they come in and tell us it's something different. So we do have that option for them. Um, Another thing that they might be interested in is the the NAP program, which is it's crop in, it's crop insurance for those crops that can't get um, crop insurance through crop insurance agent through risk management. And mainly, I'm talking about hay, pasture. If you had fruits and vegetables, things like that. Um, so. I think you might have mentioned, but do they need to bring in a deed or anything for any of those? Yeah, we we need to have a copy of the deed. We um, we can get on the assessor's website in our county and check that, but we don't we don't do that unless we have a heads up that we need to. So if you could bring in a copy of your deed, we would need that to make the update to the farm record. Okay, perfect. And I know that you're saying that um, to have all this stuff ready to go in case of programs are coming out. And there are quite a few programs that are coming out that are through the USDA, but also incentive grants. And a lot of those are requiring that, uh, um, we pull it up, that they have uh, certified HELC, which is highly erodible land conservation or they have a wetland conservation certification. Um, I didn't know, is that through your all's office that they would fill out that form for? Whenever we set someone up um, with with their new farm number, and um, there's several eligibility forms uh, that we fill out. Now, uh, we don't want to scare anybody off. The first time they come to the FSA office when they buy a farm, uh, it does, there's several forms and it does take a little bit of time, but honestly, it's a first time thing that, that takes a while. And then after that, everything's pretty smooth. Um, uh, we do work with people digitally. We know, um, people, especially beginning farmers that have other jobs, it's hard to find a time to come to the office. So we are, we are very good about working with people, um, online, but the first time, if you could go ahead and come to the office look at the map with us, show us that we've got the perimeters drawn correctly on your farm and um, uh, meet the staff. Um, we got lots of forms the first time. You'd have to certify your uh, adjusted gross income, that it's not over a certain amount. 
you'd have to file a, what's called an, an AD 1026 form, which is um, a certification that you're following your conservation compliance plan and you're following wetland provisions. Um, you'd have to file a business plan and that's it in case you apply for any of our programs and it's basically uh, the picture of your farm operating plan uh, whether you provide the capital equipment and, and uh, the land as well as labor and management and on top of that you might want to fill out if you're if you're a beginning farmer for example we have a, um, a beginning farmer form and beginning farmers are eligible for some additional assistance and it you don't have that form filed, then we can't offer that if you apply for a certain program. So that's called an, an 860 form and, and uh, people file that if they're beginning farmers, or if they're socially disadvantaged. Um, um, so um, I think that really does help because like I was saying, a lot of these grants and incentive programs, they do require these forms. And so sounds like just landowners need to come in, you know, get kind of established with the farm service agency and then start filling out these forms um, either in the office or digitally. And so that's really nice, especially with everybody being very busy. Um, trying to think for, for some other things that landowners may be interested in. I know there is uh, the disaster incentives uh, that are coming out because of Missouri being in a drought. And I didn't know, are those decided just by county um, of who gets those or, or what the requirements are? Because hopefully we won't be coming into another drought, but if we are or if we're going even into flooding, um, what what kind of information do these landowners need to be aware of to be on top of that? Mm -hmm. um, uh, we... Each county stands on its own for many things. Uh, we are the unique uh, branch of the government that has a county committee system. The employees in the FSA office aren't federal employees, they're county office employees. And so uh, we have a county committee that um, works through the state committee and um, administers the programs with the county office staff. And we try to request what it works for or what's needed for our county. So each county is a little bit different in the the sense that uh, uh, some counties might not need certain funds and others might because of certain disasters that are happening in their county. And um, you just need to have your, your farm uh, up to date with your crop report and your eligibility forms so that you're ready to go in the event that there is a disaster that is implemented. Okay, because I know um, this past uh, sign-up period, I think that counties were eligible as long as they were in a D2 drought for eight consecutive weeks. And what kind of turnaround are those programs? Are they very quick turnaround or is there some, some time in between whenever they bring them out and then enrollment ends? Okay. Um, Caldwell County did trigger on August the 14th of 23 for the livestock forage program and uh, some uh, water transport eligibility as well as uh, feed transport. And um, the turnaround was pretty quick. I mean, we've, um, we, we try to work up the livestock uh, 
people as quickly as possible and, and approve their application so that the money goes to them as quickly as possible. Uh, several years ago, before we had that built into the farm program, if they implemented something and it was later, then we backed up and did it. But now it's pretty, you know, it's right on the on the timeline with when the drought hits, it isn't long before we start the sign up. And, and those programs end uh, Tuesday, uh, January the 30th is the deadline to apply for the livestock forage program and sign a, an application for payment for the water transport and the um, feed transport. I'm so okay. and and for landowners to kind of know what is available for their counties, it sounds like they need to reach out to their county um, and talk to their FSA office there to see what is available and what they need to have completed in order for sign up. Um, have you also had landowners possibly use the, the farmers.gov website um, to see exactly what is available for them in their county? I know that's been a benefit for some folks out there. I'm sure some people use that. I think in Caldwell County, I think a lot of people just call us and, and, and visit with us. We've got a lot of people that get our newsletter, our Gov delivery newsletter. We we don't send out the um, old mail newsletter like we used to, uh, but uh, we are on a an electronic Gov delivery. And and if somebody has a smartphone, they really should sign up uh, to get it as a text on their phone, and uh, then they can click and they can see the whole thing right there through a through a text. So um, there is a code that they can do, and if they just call our office, we can give them that. So, so that that is a good. Go ahead. Okay, so if, if someone wants to get enrolled in the email newsletter or through the text, um, they just reach out to their county office. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Perfect. And that's very important. That's you know we we we're trying to track down some people that had applied in a previous program, and I'm thinking they're not reading the paper or they're not getting. The, the old-fashioned newsletters anymore, so um, it, it's they're missing out, and we're we're trying to find them, but it's it's very difficult sometimes. Yes, and so besides um, maybe disaster money that's out there and um, farm loans and things like that, could you also lightly touch on uh, CRP and how landowners could utilize that as well? Um, if if you if you buy a farm, and you know, normally you're not eligible for a year after you buy the farm, and um, it's supposed to have been uh, has have some farming history. So if it's seeded down, it most likely won't be eligible for CRP. There are some exceptions for various practices, but um, if if it's been farmed and after a year, then um, you could check about the CRP. And um, the CRP, you seed it down and it pays uh, a good price. Um, it, of course, it does cost to seed it down. And the wildlife-friendly grasses are more expensive, but um, you have a, a long-term contract with a guaranteed price through Can the you CRP. Can talk about uh, the difference between continuous CRP and general CRP? Uh -huh. Continuous CRP when it first came out, it really wasn't meant to be like whole fields. Um, it was just um, uh, environmental uh, Im uh, important practices um, with the, uh, like uh, like filter strips or waterways. 
um, or quail buffers all around a field. Those were typically what people were signing up under the continuous. There was no competition at the time uh, for those acres. They were um, highly sensitive areas that needed to, you know, uh, be seeded down. That's uh, changed a little bit with uh, 2024 uh, because we're going to have a, a, a batch processing of all people that sign up before March 15th for continuous CRP. And um, those those in the first batch might have a better chance of getting in than those that wait because um, they're going to be sure that they evidently want to be sure there's enough acres for a general sign-up later and a, a grassland uh, sign-up as well. So they're going to allocate acres uh, through that first batch and decide if they're going to have subsequent batches of the continuous program, and um, then we'll know where we're going from there. But we do want to encourage anybody interested in the CRP to sign up uh, quickly so that they're in that first batch. Okay, perfect. So it sounds like FNSA is kind of, you know, umbrella of start all, but also help all. Um, And so that's amazing. And the key takeaways that I'm hearing from this is if you have had land for years and you haven't been established with FSA or you just purchased your own land recently, um, is definitely come into that FSA office and, you know, get everything enrolled, get everything signed up, get all your proper documents so that whenever these great funding availabilities happen or if you're wanting to get enrolled in any grant opportunities, or even just throw it into CRP that definitely go into your office, bring in those documents, sign up for the newsletter, whether it's through email or through text, so you can stay on top of those. Okay, so on the farmers.gov, is there any other things within that that could be helpful for first-time farmers? Um, It would probably be a good idea to go ahead and and pull up farmers.gov on your computer and search for beginning farmers. And um, I, I did that earlier today, actually. And if you go down the page just a little bit, there was a spot for um, USDA support for beginning farmers. And then if you click on that, then it brought up a fact sheet for beginning farmers. And it, and it was a good little fact sheet that gave you a lot of information on what to expect when you go into the FSA office, um, what to take, um, some of the programs, um, things like that. So I think that would be a good resource for uh, beginning farmers. Yes, I agree. And I, if I remember correctly, I also think that there is a small survey that a landowner could take, um, like we had mentioned before, um, just to see what programs are in their area for their county. And so sounds like farmers.gov is a really good resource for landowners. Yeah, and and don't forget your your FSA office is a great resource. They 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 all those the staff has uh, got a wealth of knowledge of uh, the programs, and it's 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 nice to talk to a warm body. Uh, I feel like sometimes, and and we'll be glad to give you the time and and explain things um, that would be helpful for your operation. Sounds like you guys have a wealth of knowledge and are able to provide a lot to a lot of the farmers. So I do appreciate you guys. Thanks you, Emily. Um, we get to work with some great people. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, I do appreciate us talking. Um, and I know that you you partner well with, like you said, your sister agencies. And so you guys definitely go hand in hand on some of those. And so um, we'll definitely talk more about that in the future on future podcasts. Okay. But thank you, Debbie. And um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Okay. Thank you, Emily. Today, I am here with Caitlin McPhee at the Grundy County office. Hello, Caitlin. Hi. So, Caitlin, what is your position in the Grundy County office? I am a farm loan officer. Okay, so I heard that was a flot. Yes, well, it used to be a flot. Um, I dropped a T when my training was over. So, farm loan officer is a flow. Uh, your flot is a farm loan officer trainee. Okay, okay. So, with being that position, what exactly do you do in this county? Or is it even just this county? Is there multiple counties? So we actually cover multiple counties. Um, here in Grundy, we have five uh, that we cover. It's Grundy, Livingston, Mercer, Putnam, and Sullivan. Um, so any FSA loan requests coming out of those counties are actually um, headed to Grundy, where we are stationed uh, more often than not. We do bounce between the other offices uh, with office hours, but um, we are headquartered out of Grundy. Okay, so if someone was to go into Sullivan County mm -hmm. and they needed your assistance, mm -hmm. they could go in that county and mm -hmm. they would direct you, them to you? So a lot of times what happens, if we are not in the local office on that day, the local office calls in here and says, hey, you know, I've got somebody in here wanting to know about a farm loan. Here's their name and number. I gave them your name and number, and then we can schedule an appointment to set up. Or, hey, I'm going to be in that office tomorrow. Can you stop by? Um, if if they happen to stop in on a day when we are not in one of those counties physically. Okay. Okay. So what exactly do people request from you, or why are they coming to you? Um, a lot of times they are, obviously they're wanting mo money. Uh, sometimes they're wanting grants. We, we don't offer grants. Um, any money that we give you. We want it back plus interest, <laughs> so be prepared for that. Um, real estate loans, um, you know, sometimes they want money to purchase equipment, uh, purchase livestock. Sometimes they need money for annual inputs. Um, those are all loan types that we um, that we can handle here. Okay, so you mentioned livestock loans, and I know before this we were kind of discussing stuff for FFA. And so is that primarily what those loans are for? Or is it also just something that wants to buy some donkeys on their operation? Okay, uh, no, donkeys Donkeys probably don't work. Um, <laughs> we kind of live and breathe the food and fiber. So anything that is used for food production, fiber production, things like that. Um, you know, we have a lot of people wanting um, horses. And here in the United States, we don't use horses for food or as food production. Um, so horses typically are not a, are, they're, they're considered an ineligible enterprise. Okay. Okay. All right. So for those livestock loans, it's not for horses and it's not for donkeys. <laughs> so then it would just be for cattle. Uh, well, food, food animals. So, okay. you know, they, we've helped purchase cattle, um, hogs, sheep, goats. Um, you know, I think down South in the Southern counties, they do a lot of chicken loans. Okay. Um, they've got, you know, Tyson has um, a bunch of feeding operations down there. So anything that is, like I said, food or fiber, um, okay. that's kind of what we live okay. and breathe. Okay. And then you said you mentioned equipment. Mm -hmm. So is, I'm assuming that's just for farm equipment, but what kind of equipment? Is there limits on the equipment in which folks can buy? or? So everything that we do has to be farm-related, ag-related. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, tractors, balers, combines, grain carts, um, skid steers, 
as long as you're going to use it on your farm, it's farm related, um, you know, it's typically a go. Okay. Okay. And then the big cheddar cheese is the real estate one. Mm -hmm. And so I know quite a few folks that have utilized this loan. Uh, myself included has actually used this loan, um, but there's different loans within that, correct? Mm -hmm. And so what are those different loans? So we've got, so within the real estate, there's a couple different options. Um, the direct loans are where 100% of the funding comes from FSA. Um, that cap is at $600,000. Your interest rate is locked in for the life of the loan. Uh, currently, February's rate is 5.375. Oh, wow. The maximum term that we can do real estate loans on um, is 40 years as well. The hang-up that we get a lot of times when people call in wanting real estate loans is that they want to buy the ground and then rent it out, lease it out, whatever. Mm -hmm. We that That's not something that is... Um, like allowable within our programs, you must be the owner and the operator. Um, so you have to be the one providing, you know, a lot of the labor, assuming the risk, providing the day-to-day -day management. Um, another thing that sometimes people get hung up on is that we require 150% of loan value and security. Okay. So let's say you've got a, you own a house on some acreage or maybe you own some acreage already. If you are wanting, you know, a real estate loan through FSA, that could mean that we take another lien on what you already own. Okay. So you said the direct 100% mm -hmm. and there's two other ones, correct? Yes. So there's another one that is joint participation. Um, it's called joint participation because another lender is involved. Okay. And is there a certain percentage that each part, each party has mm -hmm. to have. And so what are those percentage? Um, FSA can lend up to 50% and another lender has to do at least 50%. Okay. Those come into play a lot of times, um, you know, when the purchase price is more than 600,000. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, in today's day and age, it's not, fa it's not very hard, um, you know, to exceed that $600,000 limit. Oh yeah. So that one um, is another $600,000 cap um, with the interest rate locked in for the life of the loan. It's 3.375 for February. That's another one uh, that is 150% of loan value and securities required. Okay. And again, a max term of 40 years, you are subject to the rates and terms of the other lender for their portion of that loan. Okay. And who do folks usually go with? Um, I know it's going to have to be a farm loan that someone goes with, but mm -hmm. is there a certain bank or anything? Okay. No. Um, a lot of times here in the rural areas, a lot of the banks are ag lending friendly. I think almost every bank um, is willing to hop on board with a participation loan. Okay. Okay. Is there an acreage cap for most banks to be able to assist with? Not that I'm aware of. Um, you know, I think it just comes to how comfortable are they with extending you know, a certain dollar amount. Okay. Obviously there's, with real estate loans, there is an appraisal that's required. And so as long as it appraises out, I think everybody's okay. 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 So we had mentioned the, the two loans and then there's mm -hmm. a third one. Yes. So the third one is geared specifically towards beginning farmers. Um, beginning farmers are defined as ha that you've been farming for less than 10 years. There's no age requirement. You know, a lot of times we say, well, what if I just started farming at 30, you know, am I too old? There's no age age requirement or age limit. It is strictly dictated by the number of years you've been farming. Um, so it's for beginning farmers, um, anybody that belongs to the socially disadvantaged group, which 
um, you know, our American Indians, Alaskan Natives, um, Asians, Black, African Americans, Native Hawaiians, Pacific Islanders, Hispanics, or women. Um, and then also veteran farmers, which veteran farmers, they say, you know, you have served in the armed forces, that you haven't operated a farm, or that you have but less than 10 years, um, or you obtained your veteran status in the most recent 10-year period. Um, that one also requires another lender to be on board. We cap at $300,150 or 45% of the purchase price. But again, it can it cannot exceed that $300,150 cap. Okay. Um, so with us doing 45% and the other lender doing 50, this is the only loan program that we have that requires a down payment and it is 5%. I mean, that's not too bad. No. Considering most homeowners was 20%. <laughs> right. If right. not more. Yeah. So uh, you'll really like this, that the interest rate on that one is one and a half percent. And that term is 20 years. Oh, dang. Um, and since the borrower is mitigating some of that risk by putting 5% down, typically the only security taken for that loan is what is being purchased. Okay. And so I guess I kind of jumped the gun. I apologize. I was putting the cart before the horse. And we hadn't talked about how, how the people determine if they're eligible or not for these. I know we discussed, you know, first-time farmer, you know, what makes them eligible. But if someone was to walk in the door of any of your counties that you oversee, um, whenever you start talking with them, what are the first questions? I know we kind of had that conversation. I had called the office just kind of see exactly <laughs> what it would be. Um, and you went right through the list. So if you could go through that list right now on what it would talk about. Sure. Um, so it, it can be confusing because we have general eligibility criteria and then depending on which loan type you are requesting, then we go into loan specific criteria. So a lot of times, you know, I just I just pick up the phone, um, either have somebody call me or I call them so we can kind of talk through the individual, um, kind of see what experience they have, uh, what background they have, what are they wanting to do. Um, so the, typically the big ones that we have are for real estate loans. You must have been farming for three out of the last 10 years, uh, which sounds a little funny whenever you're talking about loans to beginning farmers, um, you know, somebody just trying to start out. But here I'm telling you that you have to have been farming for three years. Yeah. Uh, so we can substitute for a couple of those years if we need to. Um, you know, if you've got an ag degree or an ag related degree, if you're a farm manager, um, you know, if you have worked on a farm, there's a couple different ways that we can substitute for those. That three-year requirement does not exist for operating loans. Okay. So, you know, if you're somebody who's wanting to buy livestock or needing machinery for your operation, that three-year requirement is not there. Okay. But typically the big ones that people either, you know, it, they, they kind of decide that, okay, this probably isn't for me when we talk about credit elsewhere. So if you walked into another bank and said, hey banker, this is what I want to do. And he was like, yep, sounds great. We'll get it all worked up. That kind of ties our hands because we don't compete with the credit. We are supposed to be taking the business that the other lenders for one reason or another, they can't take, they won't take um, for whatever reason. Yeah. So. If you could walk in somewhere else, or maybe if you have walked in somewhere else and they've said, yep, we'll go ahead and do it, and then, um, you know, come into FSA, that sometimes ties our hands. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't blame people, especially with these interest rates that you all have and then how long of a loan they are. I mean, those are pretty awesome. But I know, um, just for an example, 
uh, I had mentioned that me and my husband had also gotten a loan through this. And so the acreage was great. It was just no bank would actually loan on the house. Mm -hmm. And so we could not get another loan elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And so then that is why we went to FSA. And so that's the main reason, because um, no other bank would loan on us. And then for the three years, we mm -hmm. did not have our own farm for the mm -hmm. last three years. Um, but we both had ag degrees. And then we also... Um, have grown up on farms or worked on farms and so then that's how we substitute that mm -hmm. last three years yep. so there's one example at least for you all <laughs> well and um, sometimes you know we have borrowers who have done business or maybe they are currently doing business with other lenders but current interest rates do not fit the cash flow you know that they can't get the payment to work with you know where they typically do business mm -hmm. so just because you have a relationship or maybe you're currently doing business with, you know, a lender other than FSA does not mean that you do not qualify for FSA mm -hmm. loans. Um, you know, I just, just want to throw that one out there. We're not kicking anybody out. We're not shutting the doors on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. But you definitely have to be a little picky on this. Um, so we went through the process a little bit on how to obtain these loans. Um, I guess, what is the process once you're in these loans so i walked in we we talked it all through you said yes you do qualify and i have a piece of land in mine mm -hmm. can i just go to an auction and buy it um how long is that process is it a lengthy one or a short one well it can be um and we we prefer it i mean it's really nice if you talk to us about financing before you go ahead and sign a contract yeah. <laughs> you know sometimes we have people that walk in the door asking you know hey what about a real estate loan oh here by the way i've signed a 30-day contract Oh, gosh. Um, so we prefer that that's not the way that we do real estate loans, but it has happened before. I don't recommend it. Um, but the process can vary on a couple things. Um, you know, it can kind of vary depending on the caseload of the servicing office that you're in, the complexity of your request, the type of the request. Um, you know, it's kind of a two-way street where we request information from the applicant and then they need to turn it into us. So, you know, how long does it take the applicant to return the information to us? There is an environmental review that goes along with every single loan request. Okay. Um, so again, kind of loan type dictates how thorough that could be. Real estate loans are always a little bit longer because there's an appraisal involved. Um, if the ground appraises out, then you know we're at, we've got to order title work, so we're at the mercy of you know other people outside of FSA mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, for those two. So if you are interested in a real estate loan, um, you know by all means come and talk. We want that. Um, let's have that conversation up front. We can kind of pencil some rough numbers if we need to kind of get an idea of what your current operation looks like or what you're wanting to do. Um, and then when you do get a contract, we request that those are 90 days out. Okay. It doesn't mean that it will take 90 days, but if there's a hiccup with um, something along the way, you know, that alleviates or hopefully alleviates the need to get a, an extension later. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that typically your operating loans can be done in less than a month, you know, okay. a couple weeks. Um, but again, that kind of depends on on a couple different factors. Yeah, definitely. I know whenever I went through the process for this, um, it did take longer than 90 days. And the first thing that uh, the lady in Carrollton had talked to us about is to make sure that the sellers know that we're actually doing an FSA loan, mm -hmm. um, that they're comfortable with an FSA loan, that they realize it may take a little bit longer to do an FSA loan. Um, and then the process whenever we were with FSA was actually a pretty great one um, with just, you know, 
the document wise, um, very straightforward what we were needing. But the one hiccup I think that I wasn't prepared for was the farm planning mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. And so with the loan that we got, um, it required that we actually had farm planning of what we were going to do, how we were going to mm -hmm. make the income. Mm -hmm. um, the lady that was working with us, she's like, we're not giving you a loan for a house. We're giving you a loan to actually farm that land. Mm -hmm. And so we had to create what we were going to do each year, how we were going to sell um, and then how we were going to make a profit off of that and pay off the loan. Mm -hmm. And so have you had any success stories or failures with that? So a lot of times, um, you know, if somebody calls in and says, hey, this is what I'm wanting to do. I first off want to go ahead and ask some of these um, questions, just like I asked you whenever you mm -hmm. called in. Like, hey, what's your, what's, what are you wanting? What's your background? Mm -hmm. You know, give me a little bit about you. And then we can typically schedule an appointment. And then that one, you know, we can sit across from the desk. It's a little bit more personal. Um you know, we can start penciling figures down if we need to. In the best case scenario, you know, you people come in empty handed um, all the time. But if you really want to be prepared for an FSA appointment, it is a great idea to have three years of taxes okay. and a balance sheet. Um, you are not farm planners. So when you come in, we want you to tell us what your plan is. Um, I understand if you don't have everything, you know, penciled out to mm -hmm. the T. We can we can help with that. But you need to at least have a game plan. Like, what are you wanting to do? If you're buying real estate, what are you wanting to do with real estate? Mm -hmm. um, well, I just want to buy it. Okay, well, what do you want to do with it? You got to do something with it, food or fiber. Yeah. Um, so what are you wanting to do with it? And if that's, um, you know, I'm going to have a cow-calf operation. Okay, well, how many, how many head of cattle are you planning on putting on this ground? Okay, well, then what do your production records look like? Um, you know, how many cows did you have last year? How many calves? Um, you know, what did you wean them at? Type of, um, you know, questions. Just getting an overall feel for the operation. Um, so we can kind of help pencil with that. Yes, the projected cash flow, what the projected income is, what the projected expenses are. But we need the applicant's input. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just coming in here and saying, okay, well, I don't know how I'm going to make the payment. You tell me. That one, that one's always scary. Um, yes. We can't do that for you. So <laughs> Unfortunately. Right? <laughs> that was one thing I was not prepared for is having the farm plan loan. But I guess the other question I have, so I have some landowners that have come to me that maybe they've already have like an acre that mm -hmm. they own where maybe their house is right now. Mm -hmm. And then they're wanting to buy, you know, an actual large acreage what kind of loan, I guess, would fit their needs for that? Is there any farm loan that you all have that they would be able to have access to, or how would they go about it? Uh, just give me a call, yeah. <laughs> um, and we can kind of talk through that. Again, we don't. There's no requirement that says if you're currently a landowner that you don't qualify. Or okay. um, the beginning from or down payment loan was is the only loan requirement that we have, or the only loan that we have that says you cannot currently own more than 30% of the average farm size for your county to still qualify. Okay. Other than that, um, you know, if you own land already, there's nothing that says that you can't come in to get a loan from us. Okay. Um, I know sometimes that that can be confusing, um, but no. Give us a call. We can talk through it. Okay. So let's say, you know, they do get a loan and they don't use all the amount within that loan. Mm -hmm. um, I know you're saying some of these were 600000 and so could they then use that at a later time or 
is that completely out of the question or how does that work? Nope. So you're the, the, the caps or the loan limits that we talked about, mm -hmm. um, that is total aggregate principal outstanding. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you, let's say you have your first real estate loan is $200,000, you have 400,000 more dollars that you can use until you reach that $600,000 cap. Um, let's say you have a $200,000 loan for a couple of years and then you want to come back, you know, you found additional ground. Um, hopefully by that time you've made payments, <laughs> you've made, maybe you've made extra payments and your principal's reduced. So then you would have a little bit more than 400000 to fill that, that gap essentially to the $600,000 cap. Um, it's not a one-stop shop. It's, we don't say anything. It's just, you could have a hundred loans if you wanted to, that took you all the way to get to 600,000. Or if it was a one-stop shop, then, um, you know, if you needed all 600,000 at once, then, you know, that's fine too. Or 400 for the hmm. operating loans. Oh, this is opening up possibilities for myself. <laughs> okay. All right. That's very interesting. I did not know that. Hmm. And so, all right. So we have folks coming into your office, um, you know, talking about the different loans and everything. I guess if there's anything else that you can think of that would be beneficial for farmers or landowners mm -hmm. about this process. Okay. Um, I think the one loan type that I didn't haven't touched on yet is youth loans. Oh, yes. Um, so youth loans are for anyone who is 10 but not more than 21 at the time of closing. And they are used to finance um, like modest but income producing or ag-related projects while a part of... Um, a youth organization like 4-H or FFA. The maximum on that is $5,000 and you, your project advisor um, kind of has to supervise and provide guidance for mm -hmm. that. But it is available, but I don't I don't think that, you know, a lot of 4-Hers or FFAers um, necessarily know that it's here or, yeah. you know, that know that it's a resource, uh, but it is. So $5,000 what are the requirements, I guess? I know you were saying that 4-H and FFA, mm -hmm. do they need a co-sign or? Yeah, uh, typically a parent will sign off on like the application and yes, as a co-signer, um, because obviously if they're not an adult, then they mm -hmm. can't legally enter yes. into a contract. Yes. Um, so yes, typically a parent, guardian, something like that also is on board uh, with the youth applicant and then the project advisor. So what's the interest and in, I guess the years for that loan in particular? So it is kind of based on the project. Okay. Um, you know, if you're wanting to buy, I don't, let's say youth is wanting to buy sheep for their, you know, sheep operation, we would set it up for when income becomes available. So, um, you know, if, if you're selling lambs in the spring or selling them in the fall, then we can set your payment up for whenever you're gonna have income coming in. Yeah, that would be really great, especially for FFA and 4-H to do that. Okay. Okay. So success stories, um, we can go ahead and dive into it and see exactly what you've had and what you've dealt with. So what are some that you've had? Okay. Uh, a lot of the successes that we see or, um, you know, that kind of give you the warm, fuzzy feeling is when the family farm is trying to stay within the family and, you know, small guy or gal just, just starting out, especially in today's world, 
just can't make the ends meet or can't, mm-hmm. you know, they go to the bank, interest rates are high, equipment prices are high, mm-hmm. land prices are high. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can come here and get assistance and kind of help get them set on their feet uh, before sometimes people outgrow FSA. You know, mm-hmm. we're kind of limited sometimes on what we can do, obviously the dollar amount that we can lend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes people just outgrow us. Um, we are kind of restrictive on, um, you know, the loan program. So if you come in and get an operating loan, with FSA, you wanted to buy cattle, or maybe it was a loan that we required 150% on. FSA's name could be on your check, you know, from the elevator, co-op, livestock barn. Um, and then sometimes you may want to come in and talk about something and we're not comfortable with, with you doing it. Um, we're supposed to kind of be supervised credit or credit counseling. Mm-hmm. And so we are probably more in-depth or hands-on than some people that some people probably want. Yeah, a lot of farmers. <laughs> right, right. Um, our loan limits sometimes, again, with today's land prices, you know, land prices are so high. Yes. So it doesn't take much for 600000 to be, you Gone. know. Yes, yes. So um, under current rules and regulations, 600000 is the limit for the real estate, and then four hundred is the limit for uh, the operating loans. Um, our annual operating loan is not like a line of credit that you would get from okay. another ag lender. So, for instance, the annual operating loan here is, um, you know, that you would come in and say, hey, I need $15,000 to get my crops in this year. So, you know, we go through the whole application process, and if it's approved, then we go ahead and say, okay, here's we've we've got $15,000 for you. Uh, when you need it, just call in, hey, I got a seed bill, or hey, I need whatever, 2000 bucks mm-hmm. for this, four for this, whatever it is, and we can send you that money. Um, it is a one-time drawdown, though, so it's not like a revolving line of credit at the bank. Okay. So um, if you don't use all that money, it's no big deal. We just kind of send it back to the, the pot of money that Congress allocates in our budget every year. Um, and then we also don't do pre-approvals. Okay. So we have people call and say, hey, you know, I'm wanting, I'm on the in the search for real estate, and I want to know how much money I can get. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't operate that way, so I know we talked about land auctions before. Sometimes those can be tricky just because there's so so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do pre-approvals. We analyze the specific request. So you come into the office, fill out the application. I want $600,000 to purchase X amount of acres in whatever county. Mm-hmm. And then we look at that request. With land auctions, we kind of have to work that backwards. So, you know, like we'll sit across from the desk, talk about the ground that's coming up for auction, and then kind of, okay, well, where do you feel comfortable in the per acre price, mm-hmm. you know, we'll start there and we'll start to punch the numbers once we get all your, all of your application pieces in. And then we can have that conversation like, Hey, this per acre price isn't going to work or it is going to work. Or actually, you know, we can, we can get the cash flow to work up to, you know, whatever dollar mm-hmm. amount, but auctions can be a little scary because you don't go to the auction day of with any pre-approval letter or any guaranteed yes. financing. Uh, because we don't have an appraisal, we don't have a sales contract, we don't have everything we need to finalize on our side. Oh, wow. That's scary. It is scary. Um, so I always tell people when it comes to land auctions, have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's something like mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever, third party can buy it. Mm-hmm. And then we can turn around and help you buy it from that person. Um, you know, we've we've done that a couple times. Um just always have a backup plan because land auctions, there's no guarantee. And how soon in advance of the land auction coming up, I'm assuming as soon as possible, yeah. but is there too late 
to come in? You know, if it's a month away, is that too late or does that still have time? Or um, A month away, it's probably doable. Um, we prefer it if you don't come in like the week of the auction or three days, two days before the auction. You laugh. It's happened. No, I, I it's can happened. see my husband doing that. Hey, I want to buy this. Yeah. It's tomorrow. Right. Where's my money? Yeah. Yeah. Am I good or what? Um, so, yes. Any, I guess when you first decide, hey, I'm interested in this ground and I want to pursue it. That's when you probably want to be getting your ducks in a row, making some phone calls, getting an appointment set up, um, get those taxes in that balance sheet, and yes. uh, yeah, go talk to your lender. Okay, so that's really good knowledge because I know a lot of auctions are coming up for land. Yes, yes, well, a lot of family farms coming up. Yes, so if you want to purchase your family farm that yours, your great grandma's, or anything like that, definitely make sure you've talked to FSA, have these ducks in a row, and get things ready for it. Well, I think that we have covered quite a bit in this, um, and I think we've definitely been able to kind of venture more into the FSA realm. And so right now, thank you, Caitlin. I really do appreciate it. And if anybody needs any assistance with this, they need to go to their FSA office. Yes. And then say that they need not a float or a lot. A flot. A no. flot. <laughs> No, they just need to talk to a loan officer. Um, we cover, like I said, we a lot of these offices cover more than one county. I think there's 56 farm loan program uh, staff members in the state. So um, just because there's not one sitting in your local office does not mean that your county is not covered. And you're a wealth of knowledge. How long have you been doing this? <laughs> I started with the agency in May of 2020. Okay. All right. So you're definitely coming up, what, three years? Four. Four years. Yes. I can't do math. Uh, well, you know, the years just fly by, and then we had COVID in there, and it's, yeah, it's just all meshed together and <laughs> weird. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Made for Agriculture, brought to you by MFA, your whole farm solution.